Welcome, everyone, to episode 34 of the No Shot Clock podcast. I'm Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report. He's Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times. We're in early February, one month away from March. And this episode, we're going to do some of the, the normal stuff. We're going to take some of your questions. We're going to give you our two takes and we'll look ahead at the Chicago Public League playoffs that tip off this week. And Mike, uh, I want to get right to the questions. Yeah, let's do it. Um, a little less than usual. I think we got four or five. I did not sound the call for questions on Twitter today. I had a kind of weird, busy, non-basketball day, so I wasn't thinking about it. But we, we, we'll jump in here. First one I'm going to hit is from Alexandre, a good friend of the podcast. Uh, he says, Joe and Mike, I guess I can participate. I think this is a pretty Joe-heavy question. Uh, who are some mid-major coaches that are stars in the making, preferably ones that are winning games in their current conference at a high level? Is the first one. And the second one is, how do you feel about Bryce Drew? Well, Bryce Drew is your star in the making, in my mind. I mean, he is the guy that jumps out uh, at me. You get to know the staffs and the coaches and what I do with the recruiting stuff. And I just think he's he's comfortable in his own skin. He's won at a high level in their league. The only thing he's lacking on his resume is a big tournament run, which all the athletic directors get into. You know, he's flirted, he's flirted with a bunch of different jobs, and he loves it at Valpo, and it's going to take something perfect for him to, to leave Valpo. And uh, But he, he jumps at you right away. Some other names, I mean, Ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa is a phenomenal coach, uh, does it his way, recruits his type of players, plays his style, his system. Um, Scott Nagy at, at, at uh, South Dakota State. They're 18-5 and five this year, I know. Went to the NIT last year, but they had an NCAA tournament team uh, about four years ago. Uh, a hot name nationally, I think, is Matt Driscoll down at North Florida, who took their team to the NCAA tournament last year, and it looks like they're probably going to return again this year. Uh, but really, Bryce Drew is that guy that I think, Mike, if, if – I mean, Valpo should get to the tournament. And if they were to win a game or two, his his star track is, is shooting through the roof uh, when all these coaching dominoes start falling in, in March and April. Uh-oh. I've heard some, um, let's say, more than rumblings from Champagne power people about setting up Bryce Drew to be the next Illini coach. We can uh, speculate about that. But I think that'd be exciting personally. It'd be interesting to see also uh, – who he brought in on staff there if he was the coach there. I know he's got Roger Powell and um, right Matt Loddick. Matt Loddick's uh, with them now. Yeah. And, you know, Roger Powell, I think, would be a front runner for the Valpo job if uh, Bryce Drew were to leave, so that would be interesting too. Oh, wow, really? Cool. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I could have a favorite college team. Be, <laughs> be accused of all sorts of bias. <laughs> all right. Well, wow, that's exciting. Okay. Um, I don't have any future uh, college basketball <laughs> mid-major star coaches. Sorry. Uh, don't, don't pay much. I couldn't tell you any college basketball team's record within five games if you forced me to. Um, all right. Next question is from... We don't know. It's from Kolb59 at Comcast.net is all we've got. Uh, he says, big fan, uh, what do you see the future of DePaul? What would you do? Um, and then he complains a lot about DePaul. So I guess the question is, <laughs> which I guess he's probably got a lot to complain about. Um, what do we see the future of DePaul as? That's an exciting topic, Joe. What, what do you see the future of DePaul as? Uh, well, it's kind of sad. I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> when you consider what that program once was, but boy, it's been a long, long yeah. time now. But at this point, I think you have to look at yourself in the mirror, not just the basketball program, but the administration, the decision makers. And you got to decide if one, do we have the right people making the best decisions? And two, are we ever going to get serious about this? I mean, I, there, there are so many things that need to be addressed, beginning obviously with the new arena, which is coming. But other things like the branding of DePaul, it's really non existent in the Chicago area. Uh, practice facilities and space for players and so on. The vision that they have is is pretty unremarkable. Uh, you know, Dave Lalo did a nice job his first go around at DePaul, but the hire this second time just raised so many eyebrows among fans and more importantly, I think coaches and basketball people in and around the Chicago area. 
it was just a strange and odd hire, kind of unprecedented, really. But but until some of those things I mentioned are addressed, I, I just think it's going to be really difficult for things to change at DePaul and, and to get off the ground. And, you know, they're struggling bad this year again. Uh, and they've got a lot of – when you look at the roster, they've got a lot of experience. Uh, I, I, you know, the personnel, I don't know. I mean, Mike, you were excited about, I think 12 months ago, but Aaron <laughs> they, Simpson, they, have, yes. they have not, uh, they have not come together in any way to, and, and especially under a first year coach with the new energy and things like that, you would kind of have maybe thought that, you know, maybe the arrow will be pointing up a little bit, um, but I, I just think it's tough with some of the peripheral things around the program that uh, have held that thing back. Some of those things I just mentioned. Yeah, boy, the the branding thing. Uh, I mean, you have to hope that with this new arena, which is what they've talked about for, boy, how long? Fifteen years, maybe longer. Um, with that done, I mean, I think it's just marketing business one hundred and one that you relaunch everything, right? You know, when that. But I haven't heard any talk about that. You know, well, I, I mean, if, when you talk about marketing and branding of DePaul, I mean, don't you think it's non-existent? Exactly, and it's stagnant. They need a new logo. They need new oh, uniforms. I hate that logo. Yeah, everything needs to get rebranded. When the I new love the logo, starts. dude. I want the old demon. The, yeah, the, the guy that was goofy looking the basket dude. Yeah, with, the, with his yes. fist on his chin. Yeah, that guy, bring him back. Not this, this thing now that looks shield. like the windblown demon. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's bad. bad. It's too big on that court. In the Anyway, but... Yeah, so but I yeah. would think that that's going to... I mean, I would hope that that's going to happen, that they'll they rebrand everything. They need a vision. Yeah. Like they, I, and that's what I'm talking about. Like that, that's beyond the coach. Um, you know, that's that goes high up. And, and that's where I just... I guess stale is the word to use, but... Um, I guess you could say that a lot about college basketball programs in our state right now, but um, yeah, what are they doing for? Pra- are they where do they? What is their practice facility? Is it in that? Well, and, and yeah, it's on campus. But I've heard it's you know different people have talked about how difficult it is sometimes to get in there, even in the summertime that they run all those camps and yeah, Bruno camps, and you, you gotta have today's game. It's twenty four hour access. Uh, for 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 kids and players in the program, and there's just a lot of different things they have to address. And and the new arena is huge. Is it ideal location? Probably not. I mean, I, I mean, I think if you had a, I mean, it's not going to happen, obviously. But that whole Lincoln Park area, and it just couldn't figure it out. That would have been ideal. This is probably second best loop area. Um, and, and that's a, and it looks like, I mean, the drawings and the renderings of it look really cool. So it should be a, it, it doesn't help you with your students. Uh, you're still having to, I, I guess it's maybe easier to get downtown than Rosemont. Um, but they, they're not going to go until they win anyway. No, and it becomes, you know, I think it is second best. You know, I agree with that. Obviously, if you could have a great one in Lincoln Park, that would be cool. But there are a lot of really good factors for it downtown. Just, there's so many people there, and you on a nightly basis, and there's going to oh, yeah. be so if, many if, people like on a business trip from the visiting team school, even well, downtown. You know, and, when it's easy to get there, and if they ever get good, yeah, if they were ever good, you're going to have loop people. <laughs> you know, maybe an early six o'clock game some night against. Yeah, I mean their schedule's good. They got some good teams that come in. I, I it's. I don't know. It, 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 it's I, I would love to see it back to even. I mean, they had the little blip real quick for uh, two years when Q and Bobby Simmons and Lance Williams and those guys, yeah. um, and then poof, it went away. And it's uh, it, it's again, it, it's just a lot of things more so than just Dave Lado. Yeah, no doubt. Boy. College basketball is a sad state of affairs. Okay, let's let's get away from it quickly. <laughs> but no more <laughs> Illinois and DePaul. Let's get burning buildings. Okay, uh, next question. Uh, Grant Woods. He says uh, some nice things about the show. And then he says, wow, the Red West might be in the midst of a long-term change after looking at the teams in the conference now. Did Marshall drop to the white? If so, do you see them taking a spiral somewhat similar to Crane? Any chance Orr can pull? Uh, we'll, we'll start with that. Um, first off, Crane went on a spiral, but it wasn't because it went to the white. 
Um, it was because there's like no one that goes to school there anymore. Um, there's yeah. literally like 200 kids, 300 kids. It's like crane medical prep now or something. Um, now similarly, Marshall has shrunk to like 300, 400 kids. It, it was turned around. They're, they're changing things. The schools went through massive changes where the whole staff was fired and they've sent kids other places. So that's what's happening with, that's what happened with crane. And that's what's happening with Marshall now. Now, did they drop? Excellent question. Um, I thought they did. According to the results we had, they did. But well, aren't they two and eight? We thought they were one and nine. Um, oh, but boy, a tiebreaker with Urban Prep West. It's who team. won the last game, and we're being told Marshall did. Um. So it, it's been confusing, let's put it that way. But from what I understand, and this is, okay, the reason we're confused is no one at the CPS talks to us. Um, there's no one for me to ask about this. You know, we did reach out to Henry Cotton, and we found out that they won the last Urban Prep game. And the only reason I know who's dropping is because I received the publicly playoff brackets. And on those brackets, they list what position everyone finished in in their conference. And they have Urban Prep West as last, so they are dropping. Um, so Marshall's saved for another year. Um, you know, they would have been fine. They, they had to get the three forfeits to start the year, uh, in the Red West because of the brawl at Westinghouse and the sectional, you know, North Lawndale only had to take two because they were forced to forfeit the playoff game, but Marshall had to take three, uh, because they lost the game they brawled in. So, so, so that, that was why they were in trouble to begin with. Cause they weren't that bad. They almost beat Whitney young last week. Um, they've got some talent, but they had a rough start because of that. Anyway, so no, Urban Prep West is going down, and Orr is coming up. That means next year we're going to have another situation where all the power teams are in and one of them's got to drop again. So we'll see who that becomes. It'll probably be another Farragut-Marshall fight, I would guess. Based if you on had a top had. five Michael Bryan topics, yes, would falling and rising in divisions in the public league be in the top five? It's fun because um, I've been to those games. Going to those games when you're going to fall or rise. In the last one. place to search yeah. to survive. No, that is pretty cool. They are it, it's so an underrated part of. It's <laughs> yes. actually an underrated part of, of the city that like the people, hope people on the outside have no clue what we care about. Um, yeah, the big one was the blue central. This wasn't even to go to the red. <laughs> it was to get up into the white. <laughs> it was hope against Solorio because, you know, Solorio had that stated plan where – Next year in the white, and then rise up and hope. Yeah. Hope, hope went out, didn't, didn't they? They did, yeah. So that's got to put Khalil Whitney's future. At, the reason we're talking about Solorio, they have. If you don't know, Khalil Whitney, one of the top freshmen in the state, is at Solorio, and the plan was for Solorio to win the blue, and then they'd be in the white for Khalil Whitney's sophomore year, and then win the white that year, and then Khalil Whitney could stay at Solorio and then play in the red his junior and senior years after they'd won their conference the first two years, but. That's our first, already our first blue central discussion. Exactly. <laughs> it's already taken it. And you know what? I challenge people occasionally. Go check it out. That Solorio Hubbard game I saw wasn't bad at all. Hubbard had two guys over six, seven that could sort of play. I mean, that would have been useful at some red teams. I'm kind of surprised they stuck around. One of them was actually pretty good. I think he could play college somewhere, but you'd, I think you'd be very surprised by sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll go and it, it's pretty bad. But, How about winless Chicago military? Yeah. Not, you're not going to want to see that. But, but yeah, the, I mean, the white is all good. Um, the white teams can play. They're as good as mid to low of any conference. You know, we cover four a stuff, but the blue you tend, tend towards the better ones. I cannot speak about green basketball. Um, I <laughs> next question. Not seen it. Um, next. Oh, they, yeah, it's here on here. Um, so yeah, I guess to answer that, yeah, Marshall is in trouble next year. They're not going to spiral like crane yet, but it's going to be tough. They'll be battling with Farragut to stay in the in the red. Uh, any chance Orr can pull off the upset in back-to-back years and deny us from seeing a battle of Vincennes Part 3 in a spacious gym? Um, we'll hit this later, Grant, when we do the public league playoff preview, but I would say, yeah, there's a chance. I don't think it's a huge chance. It depends on some factors. And keep listening, and we'll get into that on the preview. Next up, from good friend of the podcast, Ronell Chapman. If you had to choose the top four seeds in the Bloom sectional right now, who would they be and why? Was it difficult choosing? Joe, you want to go? Did you research uh, this? I, 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 
I, before last week, I would have probably gone Thornton number one, but because they only have one loss. But the Morgan Park win for Simeon bumps me back. I mean, Simeon's played a tougher schedule. So I give them the number one seed. Thornton, number two. And then it's a toss-up. But HF beat Marion Catholic. Marion Catholic 17-4. and HS 14-5. and HF did beat Marion early in the year. So I guess I'll give the edge to HF over Marion Catholic. So I go Simeon, Thornton, HF, Marion Catholic. I don't think it was hard to pick your top four. Among those top four... Yeah, I mean, HF, Mary Catholic, I think go either way. And there's going to be people, people are going to say, maybe you'll say it, Mike, I don't know, but that may, because Thornton's 16-1, put them number one. But uh, I, I just think Simeon's number one. Yeah, I think the Morgan Park win, definitely. Even if Simeon loses, let's say Simeon loses to Morgan Park in the CPS semis, and let's say, let's go wild and say they lose to Evanston. Then I think we've got a discussion. I think if they just lose to Morgan Park or somebody in the city playoffs and then beat Evanston, they're still the one. But I think to me the Evanston game is the one where things could switch it. Uh, if Thornton wins out at least. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think... Well, right now I think Simeon's the clear one. Thornton is two. I actually would probably go with Marion Catholic three. Even though they beat HF early in the year. And I think HF's playing really well. I was very impressed when I saw them. I think Marion's resume is a little strong right now. HF lost to Bloom this week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'd have no problem with Marion three or four. I mean, I think it's... But yeah, it's clear cut. <laughs> I mean, you got some good teams. Crete Moni, Marist has a nice record. They're, they're a capable team. TF North has fallen on some hard times, a little lost a couple. Um, no one's going to crack that top four, though. Yeah, no. I mean, Thornwood's dangerous. But they're not going to crack the top four. Um, yeah, it's looking pretty rock solid right now. I mean, maybe if HF picked up a couple more, HF's going to pick up more losses. You see, they got to play Joliet West again. Um, yeah, play- if I if I had a bet when the seeds come out in two weeks, I mean, I think Mary Catholic will have established themselves as that three seed. Um, and I guess the question becomes if Marist puts together enough quality wins. Because they're gonna have a much better record than HF. Yeah, but where are they gonna get them from? I Mer- mean, they play. They have to beat some of their good conference teams. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they will, but anyway, yeah. yeah, those are the top four. And right now, I'd say no, it's not that hard. Um, they're pretty clear, basically, because Crete Moni is falling off. Um, pretty good. Who I might actually go see tomorrow, which is overdue. Uh, haven't seen them in a while. Let's see. Next question. Also. From Rennell Chapman, we talked about Mike Smith last week. Yes, we did. He started to remind me of Fred Van Vliet a lot because he was a great point guard in a similar unprolific senior class who kind of blew up and made himself known to the average high school hoops fan during his senior year. How are they similar and different in their skill set? And do you think Mike will have the same type of success that Fred's had if Mike finds the right college fit like Fred did? And then, uh, before we get into it, Rennell then apologized for the girls' basketball question last week. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. It, it's okay. Uh, he, he's right. Their, their ascent is, is pretty similar. I think Fred's was less known because he wasn't playing in the Chicago area. But my, my, my biggest difference between them, Mike Smith, he's grown leaps and bounds as a playmaking point guard. But it all came so easy and natural for Fred Van Vliet. There was never a learning curve in that regard for him. He, Van Vliet just made those around him and, and does better than I've seen any point guard do in a long, long time aside from Tyler Eulis. And that to me is what kind of stands out, just that pure, natural point guard feel uh, and way about him kind of separates him, in my mind, um, at, at, at the same stage as a senior. Yeah, what do you think about Mike Smith as a pure point guard? Well, I mean, he's he's come a long way in that regard. I mean, I think Rick Malnai has done a wonderful job with him in, in, in developing that. And, and almost, Mike almost started becoming too unselfish. And now, I don't know, last... Well, obviously the last few games, but 
last month, he's become much more assertive offensively. Yeah. And, and is taking more shots. Because the one thing I've learned about Mike Smith, he's a little bit better shooter than I gave him credit for prior to this season. And he, he shot at a pretty high rate. And I, I just think he's a really, really solid mid-major point guard prospect. Yeah, when I think of Mike Smith point guard skills, you know, I've seen him play an awful lot of times. And I mean, not to rip on Mike Smith, but I can't think of one like pass where I was like, oh boy, you know. Right, there's, there's a clear it. separation from yeah. the, the, not just, I mean, obviously Tyler Ulis is a different level, but those type of guys, the Ulysses, the Fred Van Vliet's, uh, and then you kind of got your combination guys. I mean, Ryan Boltwright was uh, known as this dynamic scorer, but he was a heck of a passer. Oh, too. yeah. <laughs> yeah he, I mean, was. he He was yeah. a phenomenal, had phenomenal vision. Um, yeah, I don't see Mike Smith like that yeah, at all. You know, he right. can score. He, he can. He doesn't, doesn't turn the ball over. He handles it well. He'll find the open guy. But, yeah, I don't see him as some insane, you know, chance-creating floor general. Um, not yet, anyway. All right, that's uh, that's it for the questions. Let's move on to the two takes. You can uh, start it out first, Joe. Mike, my first one is my first take is this Kenwood Belleville Altoff matchup this weekend. Uh, and my take is of of any game out there on anyone's schedule. To me, this is the biggest measuring stick game for any team, and really any program. You're going into what will be a bit of a against-all-odds atmosphere down south. They're playing in O'Fallon at the O'Fallon, Bank of O'Fallon shootout this Saturday. And against all odds, I mean, the fans will be against them, the officials probably, the, the, the team they're playing is in its backyard. What is this Kenwood team made of? I mean, we, we've seen a little bit what they've been able to do. But they've also played a lot of out-of-the-area games that we just don't even know you know what they really did there but it's not even about them going down and coming home with a win though it would clearly send a big message it's it's more about just the opportunity for this program and what the possibilities are for this team this year going forward with a stellar performance against what I think is the best team in Illinois if Belleville, Altoff, Morgan Parker are the two best teams in Illinois right now. And they're getting to play one of those teams this weekend. And, and so that's my take. Is So I, I guess I should save my take for next week as what my, <laughs> take, what my yeah. take is from that game. But uh, I, I just think it's a, a huge measuring stick for that team. How do you think they'll do? What's your guess? What's your gut? I think they're going to lose by double digits. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, really? Okay, I, I think the complete opposite. Um, I think they're going to win. I think they could win, yeah. but I think they're going to lose. I, I, I just think Altoff plays in that atmosphere. They've, they've been down there. Um, I, I think playing a city team is going to invigorate Altoff. And, and and I guess they got a lot of odds against them, like I said. Um, being a Chicago area guy, I'll, I'll pull for Kenwood. But I, I just think Altoff... And it's kind of silly for me to say it because I haven't seen Altoff play one time all year. But we saw him last year, saw him in the offseason, saw what they have coming back, and they also got a killer, just a killer dog in that starting five with Jordan Goodwin, who is just the ultimate warrior. And I just don't see him letting that team lose that, that high-profile game. Yeah, so you're be, picking you're picking Kenwood in, in a win. I'm gonna yeah. I was super impressed with them, even in the loss to um, Curie. Um, that was one of the better games I saw this year, just as far as a high level of play. If they, I mean, obviously it was in their home gym, home gym, so right. they were shooting great. They're right. so deep, you know. They go ten deep, pretty solid. Charlie Hartland's yeah, really coming around. I, I tweeted that during the game that the most one of the most underrated units. And I guess it's not a unit, but just their secondary role guys for Kenwood. I mean, there's four or five of them. Yeah. Six of them. That, that you know, Nick Robinson. But see, that's my thing is if this team is going to beat the Altoffs, go win a city title, that secondary stuff is great. Those supporting cast players, fantastic. You need them to play and do those things that they do. 
But you all, you know what you need also, Mike? Those two big guns to play at an extremely high level. And it'll take a Zion Morgan thirty point game. And, and and I'm not saying one or the other. I you, you gotta have both those guys rising to the occasion of playing at the level um, that that you would expect of, of that type of a prospect and that type of a team that's ranked that high. Yeah, it's definitely it's more interesting almost that it's Kenwood playing them now than Simeon or Morgan Park or Curie because Kenwood needs you know new coach, new program in the upper echelon. It, it is very interesting, and it's a great. I, I think it's like that's yeah. why I just said I think it's a fantastic opportunity for Kenwood to kind of just stake its claim. You yeah, because the whole state isn't like. Oh, Ken would want to look out for so much. You know, they're a new right. program to be that level. Yeah, that's uh, that should be very exciting. Um, my first take seems a lot less exciting now, <laughs> but um, kind of wish I could drive. I guess I could drive to O'Fallon if I wanted to go eight hours back and forth. Um, something uh, that actually that I brought up. If you guys haven't read it yet, uh, Joe Hendrickson uh, has got a big thing on the website right now. It's I think currently the lead story. I think. Um, Big notebook, went through a bunch of things he was thinking about. And one of the things was the Southwest Prairie Conference. And it's you want to describe, Joe, and in my take, go ahead, what they're going to do next year, what they're thinking of doing at least? Well, uh, it's moving Joliet Central and Joliet West to the league. They go to 10 teams, and <laughs> they are going to – I don't know where they came up with a number, but they're going to play <laughs> yeah. uh, 14 conference games which that leaves out four that you're not playing so they're going to play my math what five teams twice and the other four teams once which sucks yeah (laughs) i i I know the coaches aren't in favor of it um i noted in the story that you know it came up from above them and then i even made my suggestion and i don't know what your take is but my take is that I've made my suggestion. Okay, it, I'll just let it, you give your yeah, suggestion. And, and it only happens in Michael Bryan fantasy world because I'm adding two more teams oh. <laughs> to the conference. So it's definitely not reality. Exactly. But, all right. I'm creating what I would pre- – you know, I'm from that area. But so, real quick, before yes. you get your take, yeah. interrupting you. That's okay. Uh, my, my, my take on that was why not go two divi- – this yeah. is more reality because we can't add two teams in real realistically, but – Five teams, two divisions. You play everybody in your own division twice for eight games. You play everybody in the other division five times, so that's or one time for five games, so that's thirteen. And then you play a conference championship for fourteen games on your conference schedule, which is the normal amount that you know an eighteen league would play. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I you know, and I started with that that suggestion that I got out my pencil and a piece of paper and i was ready to make my divisions and maybe this is what they did probably not but there's no way to do that and not split up either the joliets or the joliets the oswegos or the plain fields the four plain fields makes it awkward well if you if you didn't want to split them up you could keep all four plain fields together if you didn't want to split them up all four plain fields together and then a Romeoville or a Manuka with them, over there. and then the Aspigos and the Joliets and the remaining school. I I don't see the split. I mean, I know initially nobody ever wants to do that, but they're still in the same league. They'll still play one another. They'll still have a chance to compete for a conference championship, and it's happened in other true school districts. But the league. problem is, if you're Romeoville, it's like, yeah, we play in the league with all the Plainfield schools. You know? Oh yeah, it'd be extremely boring. <laughs> exactly. So I guess I can kind of see me. So I've solved that problem. By expansion, expand extending bids to Bolingbrook and Lockport, and I'm bringing them in to the Southwest Prairie, which makes sense. You know they border um, Joliet and Plainfield there, and Romeoville is right in the heart. It, actually, it, it's kind of perfect. And so the one division is the the current Southwest uh, Prairie teams: Joliet West, Joliet Central, Manuka, Romeoville, Bolingbrook, and Lockport. That is, if Joliet had to draw up, you know, a conference, those are the teams that would be in it. Um, it's all the closest. The other, so then the other one, you've got the two Oswegos and the four playing fields. That's not bad, except for the Oswegos would just have to play the four playing fields again. We have to think about, but, we, and you know, you know what? No one's thinking about basketball and this stuff is the other thing. Right. It's all football. Well, Lockport and 
Bolingbrook would help um, in that regard because football league has really gone down, and that that league has gone. Oswego's just yeah. ran rough shot over everybody, and the football league has really gone down. Adding a Bolingbrook and a Lockport would be that's a good idea. And I, I like wonder, it. And I wonder because what's the Southwest Suburban doing now? You know they lost the Joliets. So they're going to have to have some refiguring as well. So perhaps Willenbrook and Lockbrook can be free agents, and we can name the division. After yeah, what? Are, what? I should. What is that league going to do? I don't know. It's one of those. And things now Bolingbrook is really in a. I mean, they're with HF and. Yeah, they're just. I mean, ugh. That is. Yeah, I, I'm going to go to Bolingbrook on uh, Wednesday. I'm going to ask that question. Yeah, because they're left with HF, Stag, Bolingbrook, Lockport, Sandberg, and Lincoln Way East, and Bolingbrook is not near any of those. They're yeah. they're just out on their own. Um, My well, second take, well, it's kind of heavy into this area that we keep talking about, <laughs> uh, but you'll like this one, Mike. Um, Joliet area basketball is one of the real underrated stories of the year. I actually have a piece and that's coming out uh, in the next day or so. I, what I mean by that is, I mean Joliet basketball i'm kind of counting the entire area i think the area could really enjoy what's ahead of them in march with some real potential success coming and by some teams that people don't associate basketball with period joliet catholic i mean joliet catholic right now is 16 and 3 they have not won 20 games in 35 years uh i looked at their schedule they're going to win 20 games and they've got a shot in 3A of, of doing some damage. Manuka has been non-existent. Now, they've been competitive uh, over the last several years. They even had a 20-win season, I think, I don't know, three or four years ago. But they're going to win a conference championship as long as they hold on to this two-game lead. They're going to likely be a top-four seed because they already have 17 wins, and it's a really winnable sectional. So those are two teams you don't really talk about. And then Lincoln Way Central, which is in New Lenox, just outside Joliet, this program has been down in the dumps for over a decade and really have struggled. I think they won three or four games last year. And here they are competing in a very competitive league, and they too will be in a in a conference or a sectional that is just weak enough for them to possibly pull off a surprise. They're actually one of the sleepers I talked about last week. So those three teams, and then you talk about Joliet Central and Joliet West, who are Joliet West has, has kind of bounced back from a little bit of some doldrums post-Pontiac Holiday Tournament. And Joliet West very well could be a possibly a one seed if they can get on a little run here before seeding time. So you're just talking about a bunch of teams in that one area who – have a lot of things going for them and I just my take is it's a real underrated story because no one's really talked too much about any of those teams this year aside from Julia West and Michael O'Brien but uh, it's a good story for for some program and that's one of the things about this season despite my negativity about the poor basketball that's been played and the lower level that we've seen this has been a golden opportunity for teams around the Chicago area to step up, take advantage of that, and coincidentally have some things going for them, seniors, experience, things like that, to really rise to the occasion, like a Manuka, a Joliet Catholic, a Glenbard West that we've talked about a lot. All these schools have this shot right now to do something, both in their conference races the next few weeks as well as state tournament time. And it's realistic, Mike. It's not just you know, they've, they've gotten, you know, these teams are going to be high seeds, uh, top four seeds in their sectionals. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to see things turning back Will County way a little bit. Romeoville's got a fun young team, Bolingbrook, around 500, but they're young as well. So I think the next few years should be bright uh, for that area, no doubt. And I'm going to go see Juliet Catholic on Thursday. Uh, Juliet Catholic, St. Viator. It's at St. Viator. It'll be another test for them, but... A good test, or I, I guess a good matchup for them, I think, East Suburban Catholic-wise, because it's one of the few teams in the conference that does not have more talent than them. 
you know, St. Viator's good, but the, I don't think man for man they out-talent Jolie Catholic like, you know, Marion or Notre Dame, who they beat, or a lot of the other teams will. So I bet that's a really good game as yeah. far as tight down to the wire. It's also the first game, high school basketball game I ever saw was St. Viator versus Jolie Catholic in the 80s. Whoa. Yes. But anyway, uh, we will move on to... My next take, uh, Joe and I off the air right before we started. Re- actually, it is recorded, but I'm going to edit it out. Um, <laughs> part of the podcast talked a little bit about LaSalle, Peru. They're undefeated. They're 17 and 0. They're not in the Sun-Times coverage area, technically, which means we don't deliver papers there. Someone's going to tell me that we do, which they're probably at some gas station in LaSalle, Peru, but traditionally they are not in our coverage area. They're not eligible for the rankings. Uh, there is one other team in the area that is is in the coverage area that is undefeated. I'll put you on the spot, Joe. Do you have any idea? Huh? <laughs> okay, so I think we'll take that as a no. That you, really? Yes, that you are not aware of the other undefeated squad. No. All right. UIC Prep in the Noble Athletic Conference. 6-0? and 14-0. <laughs> right. uh, Ten of those wins in conference. Um, I actually did go to the the title game last year, um, and I believe it was UIC against Johnson. What are they? What league are they in? Uh, the Noble Athletic Conference. Um, huh. So, and you know, I've, I've the Butler coach who's Butler is in second. Butler's nine and one in the conference, ten and four overall. He said he's got some good young players that you know he was telling me it'd be worth my time maybe to come see them. And, you know, the thing, the interesting thing about the Noble Athletic Conference is um, it's new. And so a lot of the freshmen and sophomores last year when I, I was just trade, I just pulled it up. Wow. Um, so I, it's very likely that they've got I, I don't know this for sure. I'm going to we'll find out more about them. and I'll definitely go to that game again this year. But I know last year when I went to the title game, it was a ton of freshmen and sophomores playing like half the court was freshmen and sophomores. So all those guys are back. So this league is going to be quite a bit better you know, next year and the year after because these kids are all going to be seniors that have been playing around. That's third place team. Is that a company or a school? DRW Trading? It's both. Um, DRW Trading is the uh, apparently the company that's sponsoring the school. Um, it's like a stock brokerage, I believe. Wow. But yeah, you, so we just wanted to give the Noble Athletic a little a little plug. I, we did go to that game. Um, I know it was Johnson I saw. Johnson was pretty decent. Um, last year, they're 14 and seven this year. So keep an eye on UIC prep scores. We'll see how long they can keep this going. I guess if they hit you, 20, I should probably go before the final game. Huh? You can go see UIC. I'll go see LaSalle, Peru. Yeah. I, I want to go see LaSalle, Peru. I guess I want to go there tomorrow night or when people are listening to this tonight, uh, they played DeKalb and LaSalle, Peru is a, I mean, people probably don't care that about LaSalle, Peru, but it, Two, it's a, it's a, Big basketball school that that used to be a monster for. I was gonna say Bob Kaskowski, famous Julia Township coach, LaSalle Peru guy. Luke uh, Yaklich. Yaklich was there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steve Gores, the longtime Rockford Boylan coach. Uh, Jack Margenthaler, the old coach at um, Western Illinois University College. Uh, he was a coach there, but yeah, from. I mean, from the 50s through the, I mean, really through the mid to early 90s, they were a proven commodity. 20-plus wins every year and great fan support and high pressure. They used to always run coaches out is what the word was. Um, oh, awesome. Nice. You know, when they, they did not win. So, But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, LP beat Washington, and all of a sudden now this team is 17-0, and and 3A continues to look better and better. You ever been to the Ottawa, the gym in Ottawa? Oh, yeah. I got a lot of relatives in Ottawa. I love Ottawa. Uh, the Pirates, they have a terrific gym. I saw a picture of it on Facebook, and I started my, to drool. Yeah. My cousin <laughs> was an All-Stater in Ottawa, actually. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. need to find an excuse to go there. That gym looked amazing. That's a cool gym. All cool right. school. Even the football field right in the river. Anyway, we have been off topic a lot tonight. But, hey, we've, we're about to we're going to hit the uh, public league playoff preview, but we've, we've talked Milan Manuka. Southwest Prairie, Noble Athletic, LaSalle, Peru. I think we can allow ourselves a little CPS action now. 
to Paul. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dumpster fire college basketball programs. Um, all right. It's uh, the brackets were released. So far, they haven't changed anything. They do that to me sometimes. But I think we're sticking with this. We're, the, we're just changing days <laughs> and venues. Um, the first round is Wednesday. Uh, best game clearly is or at Morgan Park or knocked off Morgan Park last year in the, I want to say the quarters at Young. Um, what are the odds that could happen again? If all of Orr's, see the big if here is, Lou, um, Lou Adams has talked about, he has, let's see. Young kids. Yeah, like four key sophomores that play all the time. He's talked about having them play in the sophomore tournament. If I had to bet, I'd say he's going to do that and not have all of his guys, but I don't yeah, know for come sure. Come on, Lou. Yeah, I, I disagree with it. Right yeah, now. who cares about this? He wants them to win, wants them to get more than one game. You know, that, as a coach, you can have your sophomores play the whole city tournament, probably make it to the semis, or you can lose the first round. That's what he's thinking, you know? He wants the games for the young kids. I want to see them give their whole heart out to this more. You know, it's going to be a fun game even if all the sophomores don't play, but they they got a good shot to it. Uh, they have a chance to win if the sophomores do play. Um, it'll be fun. Any other first round matches you are looking at, Jim? I've got uh, Joe. I've got the Lindblom Lincoln Park one. Um, uh, I think it looks good. Marshall Vocational. Marshall Voca- yeah, yeah, Marshall Vocational was the one um, that that you know as far as up in the air. Uh, but you know when you look at the play, I mean the city playoffs to me, everybody including myself, has over the years kind of criticized, like, why is this game being played here? Why is this matchup here? And uh, But there's another part of it, too, with the tradition of it, and I've talked to some coaches about that, too. It's just kind of how it's always been. It's how they, uh, they've always done it. Uh, with the way they, they do these seeds, they're not your – it's not your traditional seeding system, uh, which is why you see a – I mean, Orr and Morgan Park playing in the first round. And you see a Lindblom Lincoln Park playing in the first round. Um, they they treat all the conferences equally. Yeah. Which now you know pluses but, and minuses. I I would like them to at least seed the four leaders, the four conferences. Okay, so I know they they rotate it every year, correct? Yeah, and but I mean they've they've cha- there have been years where they've just toss this into the trash and done what they wanted, depending on who the leadership is. But that's when things get complicated and people complain. You'll notice no one's complaining about this because they stuck to what they usually do. I would have lo- I would like for the scenario of when you have like two kingpins in the city and I don't think there is I mean I, I don't know if that's the case this year. Uh so you can at least avoid those two meeting early. And by that I just mean I don't want to pick on the Red North, but if you had your four teams, the Red North would be the fourth seed every year for the most part. And so I would like to see if, you know, seed them one, two, and three, one, two, three, four among those four winners um, just to to, to keep the, the two best teams apart. I think it's cool how it makes all of the regular season games count. Yeah. You know. No, there, there's there's – complaints about it but there's also some really fascinating things about how they've done it and um these quirky matchups and and, and a different and it kind of makes the a certain round a little bit tastier you know sometimes when you see some of these second round matchups yeah morgan park it's going to be more difficult to win this than probably the 3a state title for them definitely it'll be tough more difficult than they'll have to face to get to peoria without doubt um, you know, when they get to Peoria, obviously they'll have two very tough games if the teams all reach that we think will reach. But yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta beat Orr, uh, Hyde Park, Hyde Park. Then you have to beat North Lawndale at North Lawndale, and then yeah, that's then just, you gotta play Simeon, you Simeon. <laughs> yeah, and then you get Kenwood or Bogan Kenwood or Curie or, or Bogan. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, yeah, they're gonna be tested. But as we work our way through this bracket, that bracket, do you do you see anybody aside from at the end of the day, Simeon Morgan Park in one semifinal? Yeah, yeah. 
So you're picking somebody to. Um, I, I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think Morgan Park can beat all those teams. Really? I think I think the Collins having to go to Collins to play North Lawndale, absolute nightmare. Um, if I had to go, if I had to pick one place, I wouldn't want to go. Besides for maybe or at or, it would be North Lawndale at Collins. Um, that's going to be really really difficult for them and it's going to be one of those publicly just tinderbox match it's it's gonna things are gonna be hot in there right. <laughs> let but me say I, I, I'll, I'll t- I, I don't see morgan park losing in, in that quadrant and then simeon i don't see simeon losing to theirs that, yeah, i would say I that's know. overall yeah. the weakest one um simeon whitney young or one and two prosper's three and then the other brackets you, you you've got Again, Kenwood is going to have the easiest road, right? Yeah. And then Bogan Curie, which is a that's a second round game, I think. Yeah. Uh, so and you got Curie, which is a big yeah. deal. Both of those teams rarely lose in their home gyms. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, is we've been talking about a handful of programs all year long. There's always a team, not all, I should say always, there's a team that kind of sneaks up and whether it be because of the brackets or upsetting the team, poof, they're in the semifinals. You're like, whoa, you know, is there a team that could get into the semifinals? I, I don't think, you You just told me maybe North Lawndale would be that team. Um, but they've kind of elevated themselves and over the course of the year. But I still don't think we still talk about them the same Breath with Curie, Kenwood, Simeon, Morgan Park. Is there, or is that your team that that will get into the semifinals? Then it's too hard to see Morgan Park losing. It's I think it's more likely to see maybe Bogan knocking off Curie in the second round, and then Farragut knocking off Bogan in the quarters, and Farragut winding up in the semis. Um, I could see that happening for sure. I mean, Farragut is, besides for North Lawndale, Farragut's the team where that could wind up happening simply because they can get through. Are the semis really at Little Village? Uh, That's what we're hearing today, which is a disaster. Poor Arthur Goodwin. All the Bogan coach wants is to get these teams on college courts. (laughs) Usually you you would have that on the the quarters and in the semis. So he's got to be somewhere... Poor Goody is somewhere shaking his head right now, thinking, "What are they doing to me?" Have you been to Little Village? <laughs> no one's ever been to Little Village. Joe. I mean, how many? Literally, no a... one's been there. It looks like how... Westinghouse in the pictures I see, so it's about a thousand people. Why would you play the semis there? Um, the CPS brass apparently is absolutely in love with the Little Village gym. They tried to get hey, the they are trying to get there. games there. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe somebody owns the hot dog stand next door. <laughs> Who knows? Jeez. But yeah, apparently the semis are at Little Village. Basically, we need this DePaul Arena to get built. <laughs> real, yes, real make badly. that a staple of um, uh, City Hoops. Just kind of give everybody. We've been talking kind of randomly here. the The quarterfinals, if seeds hold, will be. Uh, Curie against Farragut at Curie. It'll be Kenwood against Lincoln Park at Kenwood. It'll be, and this one's really interesting, uh, Young and Simeon at Simeon. I've never seen Young. That's just kind of going to be weird and cool. Um, So Young at Simeon. And then the other one would be Morgan Park at North Lawndale. North Lawndale plays their games at Collins, which is like they do have a branch of their school at Collins. So it's not totally unnatural. Um, but yeah, that'll be those will be just four great matchups. They're usually in one place uh, on one day. Instead, they're going to be you know the, at the schools. And then the semis wind up to be the Battle of Vincennes, most likely. And then Bogan or Curie against Kenwood. So probably some rematches there, I would guess. If everything holds, it'll be Curie-Kenwood and Simeon Young. And that'll just be, or sorry, Simeon Morgan Park. Those will be fabulous games. And for some reason, they're shoving them in the Little Village gym. Championship game, your pick. Um, I'm going to pick Curie. I guess I'm just going to pick Curie to win. Um, Speed who? Uh, that's where it's tough for me. I'm not sure who's. I think Simeon has the easiest easiest road, so I'm gonna pick Simeon. So I'll have a Curie Simeon, and Curie pulls it off again, beats him for the second time this year. Well, Morgan Park over Curie. 
are going to go through that grinder of the public league playoffs, get to there. and That's and, the game uh, I most want to see. I would like that a lot. So, Morgan Park here, yeah. Yeah, I'm rooting for that game. I'd much rather see that than a Pontiac title game rematch. That would be fun. Um, and I think just for the whole at the end of the year when we have to sort out 3A and 4A for the rankings, <laughs> if Morgan Park plays Curie at any point, that'll help me out at the end of the year quite a bit. So, yeah, that would be good. I'm rooting for yours. We'll scratch mine. Um, but, yeah, it wouldn't be so – I mean, you know, it's the city playoffs. It's gone weird the last few years. Um, I guess Curie won sort of with Cliff, and they took it away. Last year we had Bogan. We had that Brooks one a couple of years back. You know, Simeon hasn't won one since when? Jabari senior. Uh, I think they lost too. Um, it's been a while. So that's your public league preview. Let's quickly go through the um, the week. It's a weird week. Um, not a lot of top notch games. So I'm gonna get out and see some weird stuff. Just tell me where UIC is playing. Um, UIC. I, I didn't even look. UIC prep. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tuesday. Okay. You're probably listening to this. It's uh, Pretty weak slate. We got Naperville North at Wheaton North, who just knocked off the Hilltoppers of Glenbard West. Hey, who would have thought that? Glenbard West aren't even the best Hilltoppers right now. <laughs> it's Julia Catholic. Um, <laughs> Zion Benton at Lake Zurich should be a good one. Probably the best game of the night is Lincoln Way West at Thornton. Um, who did Lincoln Way West just lose to? Lincoln Way Central. Oh, that's right. My sleeper. Yeah, and Lincoln Way Central is a fun team to watch. I didn't jump in there but they're, they're they're not just like oh they're winning games they're enjoyable to watch I, I liked seeing them i saw them play at thornton earlier in the year i'm probably not going to go to thornton lincoln way west though i'm, I'm gonna go and see pj pipes and creep money at lamont want to see some new teams haven't seen creep money since the beginning of the year haven't seen lamont at all so i'll check that one out wednesday nothing going on of any note at all except for those cps first round games and it's also football signing day, if you care. Thursday, Juliet Catholic at St. Viator. We talked about that. That's really the only big thing going on. And Friday, it's a tough one. There is no, you know, standout game in the area. There's probably a good one near you, though. There's a lot of pretty good ones. We've got Deerfield at Highland Park. Evanston at New Trier. Bennett at Marist. Marion Catholic at Notre Dame, which would have been the big marquee matchup if Notre Dame didn't start losing to everyone. They lost to Loyola and Juliet Catholic this week. Uh, Stevenson at Lake Forest, Romeoville at Manuka, Thornton at Bradley Bourbonnet, another top-notch one. It, that's a great gym in Bradley. Um, if you want to go see that one, I'd recommend it. Batavia at Geneva, rivalry game. I think that's where I'm going to head. I need to see Geneva. Sounds like a good atmosphere to do it in. And then an interesting one, Larkin at St. Charles East. We should probably mention the Fighting Saints. They've turned things around quite a bit, got people back from injury, and they could be a sleeper in the sectional. Um, coming up. Watch them over the next month. Saturday is another weekday. We got uh, the was going to be the Public League second round. They moved that. We got the great shootout at O'Fallon that I won't be able to go to. The only two games I could even find to mention. North Chicago at Waukegan and Proviso East at Proviso West. So if anybody knows a fun Saturday game that I should go to, drop me an email and I will consider it. <laughs> go down to Galesburg and see St. Charles East. Yeah, if I'm going to get in the car, they go, that, go all the way to I'm going all the way to O'Fallon. Check those St. Louis flights. <laughs> How much uh, could that cost? But then I have to be in St. Louis. All right, uh, that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back next week in the midst of the Public League playoffs. See you next time. Mm-hmm.